What's Happening? Welcome to Season 3 of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode, and we have a whole new set of poets and are still focusing on what it means to be Black, British and a poet or spoken word artist. If you are interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves, then join us and keep listening. Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, remember to subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Welcome to the Apples and Snakes podcast. My name is Yomi Shode and it's an absolute pleasure to be joined by this gentleman right here who, who, I have to just let you all know, is taking the time out before work, within the work hours, just to let you know how busy this life can be. Um, It's a pleasure to be chatting with Tyrone Horton. How are you doing? Good, sir. I'm well. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here speaking with yourself as well. Um, I'm really, I'm, I'm, there are a lot of poets, practicing poets who work, right? And who juggle a nine to five. And a lot of them are just like, I just wish I had time on my hands to be able to do what I'm doing poetry wise, but also, but, but, I'm inundated with stuff that I have to do in terms of work. Um, especially if 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 work is a type of work that is demanding. Do you see what mm-hmm. I mean? A type yeah. of work that you just can't, you just can't lock it off at five, go home, chill, relax, what have you. Some of it bleeds into after hours. Some of it bleeds into a weekend. Um, I'm going to ask this on a more general basis in terms of yourself, but... I'm really keen to know about the the work you do and and how that to some degree impacts the poetry, impacts the performance time, mm-hmm. impacts the. Do you see what I mean? How? Yeah. 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 What is what is what is work life? So work where I am right now, I'm in the office. Um, luckily, so I can speak to it on both sides because there was a time when the work I used to do wasn't poetry. Yeah. Luckily, I run my own um, poetry organization called Literati Arts. Mm. So when I'm at work, it's all the same energy of poetry. I'm creating projects, I'm producing things, I'm putting on events, working out um, workshops and classes for young people, maybe. Yeah. So that all feels, I feel like I'm at a really, really good place right now. Mm. Because there was a time when that, that time, Finding the time to be a poet, but also bills come monthly. You know, what yeah, I mean? listen, like, bills come monthly and they come quick, and the month feels shorter every single time when it's related to bills. But I used to have had bare jobs, man. I used to be a cleaner. Mm. I I was selling windows door to door. I was um, I've been a youth worker, and I think that many, many, many poets end up being a youth worker at some point. It's part of the the grind for some reason. Um, and I worked, I was, I never, I never liked to call myself a chef. I worked in Pizza Express, so I didn't kitchen work. <laughs> I, I made pizzas, but I can't say that chefing. Because... Yeah, but you can still, even though it's formulaic in terms of how you make yeah. them pizzas, you still, you still know what's going yeah. on, what to do, what to put where and how, do yeah. you know what I mean? But I remember there was, there was one time when I just started at Pizza Express, this is 2016, September, and I had a gig, um, Someone asked me, could you come perform here Friday night? Oh, nice. Good set. Little money. I was like, okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I'll be there. Mm -hmm. I spoke to my boss at Pizza Express. I said, listen, I've got this thing. Can I have my hour break during seven and eight so I can get over, perform, get back? But it's Friday night. I get there. I perform. And I'm open for someone. And they're coming late. They're coming from London. They go, oh, can you just do 10 more minutes? Yeah. Can you just... And I'm like, I need to get back to work. So I've already got my taxi book, but it's Friday. Yeah. No taxes are there. I come back to work like two hours later. No way. Nobody is my friend. Like nobody is my friend. Big meeting the next day. <laughs> big, big meeting. I could have lost my job. But I, the poetry was so important. And the poetry yeah. 
has always been that important to me that I would maybe, you know, that's, it's quite silly, but I would sacrifice my actual day job, which I needed. And you know, there's some things that, that so with me personally, every year, every year, there's always one or two spotlight moments, I call them. Mm-hmm. And those are the moments where it's like, this is it. This is, you have to, you have to pull it out the bag. You have to do it. And there's, there's almost like this finite feeling sometimes that, listen, if there's, if there's this moment that you got to make it work, you have to make it work. Do you know what I mean? And you don't even know mm-hmm. that you might have 10 more moments like that after this one moment. But just this situation with the Pizza Express, you're like, listen, I have to make this work. My hook yeah. or crook, I, just ha- I have to make it work. I deal with the consequence, everything afterwards, I just have to run it. And I think a lot of that speaks, and for, for the listeners and for the folks that are tuning in, they might get a sense of your character already, but just to kind of now build up on that a bit more, how would you best describe you and the work you do? Oh, uh. I hope they have got a sense of my character because I'm the worst at speaking about myself. Seriously? Uh, yeah, no, really, really bad. Um, speaking about myself is like writing a CV for me. It's a real difficult thing. <laughs> like, I have to really like think about it. But me and the work I do, so um, I guess in, in terms of my poetry content and the stuff I put out and the stuff I like creating, it's all about um, self-reflection. Mm. I try to reach the most vulnerable parts of myself um, and share that with people. Because mm. uh, I realized, and also always reaching the truth of something. I'm really big on truth. Um, because I feel like I'm not owed an audience. I'm not owed anyone even listening to this podcast. I'm not even owed the time. I, I don't deserve, I didn't come into the world deserving people to listen to me. So. Luckily, people do listen to me. Sometimes I'm in front of crowds. When I've got that time, whether it's a minute, whether it's an hour, I shouldn't use that to tell them something that I know is not totally true or something that I don't totally believe to be true. Yeah. Because you're lying to people. Mm. So whenever I felt like that, I go, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to go back to the drawing board and I'm going to get right with myself. Yeah. I'm going to grapple and wrestle with this thing until I feel comfortable with sharing what it is. Mm. Um, and in doing that, I've always felt like that's the best way to connect with an audience, the best way to connect with people, because everyone around is feeling a similar shade of the same thing. Yeah. You know, everyone, but they don't know, maybe they've, they haven't had that conversation yet, or maybe they had a conversation yesterday, or maybe they've never articulated it. Or maybe they don't even know, but it sits there somewhere in their, in their psyche, in their nervous system, and it takes a piece of art, it takes a song, it takes a poem for people yeah. to go, that's exactly what it is. Yeah. These days, it takes a meme. Yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah. you send someone a meme and it just, it completely contextualizes everything. You everything. Go, I, I understand everything. that now. And we get that, in, we get that in music, we get that in poems. And me, um, I guess, working in this field and this being my craft, it's very important to me that I give people the truth. And um, you, it's so funny that you say you're not a speaker. The CV of it all is good, can take you years just to break down who you are. But I had the privilege of, of sharing a stage with you. I hit the old and just watching you light up that stage in 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 impromptu because you didn't even know. Burko just called yeah. you out out of nowhere just to be like, I oh, am yeah, performing. going to be. And then... <laughs> You just came out like um, Randolph doing his thing, and you're like, "I right, cool. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do something." And then you just went for it, and you just set that stage on fire. And it was something you wasn't prepared for, but again, I could just sense the love that you have for that time and that stage and the love mm. of words and just for rhythms. And I could just see, I can feel the grime sense in you as well. Like everything, <laughs> yeah. everything was firing off. Do you see what I mean? And again, if we kind of talk on character, we, we get a sense of you where you're at. 
And I remembered as well, you're wearing a fly shirt as well. Like, it's one of those. What's he's wearing like a fly, them holidays? I was like, right, this guy, like, what's going on here? Um, let's talk poems. Let's talk mm. poems and let's talk about when and when did you realize that poetry was the way forward? Why did you start writing poetry? Um, we have to go back to, so I'm 30 years old. We have to go back to, 11, 11 years old, I went into care. Um, I used to live in Leicester. I went into care and they put me in Nottingham. Mm. I was completely disengaged. English lessons, any lesson, I just would not write. Mm. And I had a cool young teacher for English and she watched me. She could tell I wasn't, this is not for me. I had bigger things going on. So she gave me um, the rose that grew from concrete, hardback, two packs Mm. of wood. And she said, mm. all right, Saron, I can tell that you're not interested in what we've got going on. So you, this is my book from home. Look after it, but you can take it home, have it for the whole term. And when you're in class, you can read this and do what you want. Yeah. I was like, all right, whatever. But I know Tupac. So I'm like, Tupac's got a book, poetry. That's mm. weird. So I go home. I remember I had a Bart Simpson notepad. <laughs> and obviously, you know, it's got the printed version. Yeah. It's got its <laughs> photocopy. The photos, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I learned how to write like him and I traced it mm. and I, I got all the, the doodles, all of the um, mistakes and I would sit and cry to these poems. Mm. And I think, whoa, I've never seen words be used in this way before. Mm. Like I've listened to music and I listen to lyrics all the time and I watch and I listen to people's syntax and I listen to how people decide to form their sentences or intonations. Mm. And I only watch people's mouths, and I always, I've always been so interested in words and mm. the words of music. But to see words be used in a way that I really felt, that I could read it, and it felt like deep within me, it done something to me. Yeah. And I always say that that book planted the seed. Mm. But then I went back to school, and I still was disengaged. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flash forward now, uh, year ten, we started doing English lit. Me and my teacher would butt heads, Miss Thompson. Uh, in my anthology, had that's when Caroline Duffy was the poet laureate. And mm-hmm. had uh, Simon Armitage, John Agard, uh, Imtiaz Daka, I believe, present somewhere on in Pakistan. Yeah, the anthology. You know the one. That, that, that. So it would always be annotate, dissect, analyze. Mm. And Miss Thompson says, what do, you think the, what do you think the voice of the poet is saying? Mm. I said, oh, Miss, I think they're saying this. No, sir, and you're wrong. Well, miss, how could I be wrong? Because you're asking me what I think. Nah, that's not what they say. And I'm like, yo, that's weird because you didn't write the poem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how do you know? Yeah. yeah, How could you tell me? And what throughout my life, I'd always been told that poetry, and I came to know that poetry was art. And in art, you can, it's subjective. You can um, take from it what what you take from it. And it does Mm. something to you that might only be personal to you. Mm. So I would talk about presents from my aunt in Pakistan and say, well, that reminds me of like when family go back to Jamaica. Yeah. Or when they when family go home, this is what this is the same thing. She's like, nah, they're not talking about that. That's what I, mean. I don't Talk understand. To, yeah, yeah. I'm 15, so one day I have the bright idea of writing my own poem. Mm. And I go, okay, yeah, I've got it now. Mm. I wrote this poem. Terrible poem. Mm. Terrible poem. <laughs> It's a horrible poem, but I was really proud. And I got to I got to class early on Monday, which is a thing that had never happened in my whole life. Yeah. I mean, they're early. Miss Thompson, listen, I've, I wrote this poem um, because me and you always disagree mm. about what the voice of the poet is and what the poet is saying. So I've got my own poem. Could I maybe do what we do in the book live? So I'll read my poem to the class and then order the annotating and stuff. The class can do it with me for a couple of minutes. Mm. And now that there's a real poet in the room, mm. we mm. can see what we the voice is saying. What the voice is saying. She's like, nah, Tyrone, we don't do that. Go sit down. Mm. I was like, uh. And I carried on writing in secret for five years, but I'd always, I could never finish a poem because I always heard her voice. Yeah. And I thought, if it's not Simon Armitage, if it's not John Agard, if it's not these people, then it's, it's not yeah. valid. It's not worth it. It's not what we do. So I remember I had a crossroad. I didn't have a crossroad, but 
I was studying law at uni. That was a month before my 20th birthday. And it was the first time I remember it. It was February 3rd, 2019. No, it wasn't. February 3rd, 2013. Sorry. Mm. And I finished a poem for the first time since that one five years ago. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, it felt like I opened like Pandora's box or something. I thought, what is this? Like, it's done. Normally I write and then I just throw it away in secret, but this is done. Then I had this like idea, me and my friend were talking. I was like, listen, I'm going to either be two things in life. I'm going to be a stand-up comic Mm. or I'm going to be a poet. Mm -hmm. My friend was like, you should do comedy. I was like, no, I'm going to do poetry. (laughs) But all now, I still haven't heard any spoken word in my life. I've only ever read that one Tupac book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and a bit of the anthology. I never heard any spoken word, but I'd be writing in my room, practicing. I was at uni, like second year student, not going out, staying at home, writing three poems a night, just writing, writing, writing. And then one day I was in a barbershop, my uncle's barbershop, and I heard this guy talking about these poetry nights and open mic nights that people go, go to. And I was listening and going, that sounds, that sounds a bit like what I do. Yeah. So I said, tell me a bit, about, a bit more about it. He said, well, people come, they share their poems on stage, bloody, bloody, blah. I said, so wait, so what you're telling me is there's people who leave their homes in the evening mm. to come and listen to poetry. Mm. He said, yeah. I said, that sounds, that sounds a bit weird. Mm. Like, Why would you spend your time doing that? He was like, no, trust me. Like, and I was like, okay, look at this. This is what I read. He went, that's it, come. The rest was history. Thinking about the teacher and thinking about like it, all it needed was just permission. Exactly. All it needed was just the, the room just to be like, yeah, read the poem. Because five years and just read five years of writing that in your own kind of like private domain or whatever it is, you could have just been spending just perfecting your craft from that age or whatever it is and seeing what happens in terms of like how you, um, how you build that. And I really, I want to explore the book in a bit. But at the same time, but prior to that, oh, this might actually feed into it as well. Um, I just wanted to look into a significant moment that you, that will, that will always spring to mind. That, 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 you know, there are, there are key significant moments where you're feeling like, oh, this, I don't know if this can be topped. And then the next year comes and you do something big. That seems like it can top what you've done the previous year or maybe two months ago mm-hmm. or last week. But it doesn't. This mm-hmm. one moment still stands. And this one moment still lives with you going forward. Do you, do you has that happened? Yeah, I've had a few of those moments. I guess what, like, like what you were saying earlier on about your spotlight moments. Mm. And then, you feel like, oh, this is it. And then there's mm. something else. And then there's mm. something else. Um, mine, I'm, I'm, I'll give you two. So before, so that guy invited me to, to go and perform. And I thought, I need to practice, but I'll go to a place that nobody knows me. Yeah. Like a random pub. No one's going to see me in there. Mm. And they do, they used to do a, a poetry night every other month. Mm-hmm. So it's one in July and then there's September. And it's the last Thursday. I think it was like July 26th. And I went there and I chickened out. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I went home. And I can't tell you how that ate at me. Mm. For eight weeks. Mm. I thought, no, never again will I not be ready. Mm. Similar to what you've seen now. Hit the old. Yeah, yeah, never, yeah. Would, never would I chicken out of a moment again or feel like some, something, some invisible thing, the lack of permission is going to stop me from speaking. Mm. So I went home and I waited for two whole months. Mm. Just one poem that I had, <laughs> two mm. whole months. Then I went back and I'd done it. Um, that, was, that, was, that was the moment of me not doing it. Mm. 
always mm-hmm. lives in me of mm-hmm. why did I why did I do that? Never let that happen again. Um, and actually, you know what? The week after that, yeah, the week after that, I went to a slam. And people were saying, uh-huh. whoa, Tyrone, relax. <laughs> Different culture. Yeah, you've done one open mic. You can't go to a slam. But the thing about me, you know I mean? I came into it never hearing spoken word. I don't know who anybody is. Yeah. So I don't even, I don't know what a culture is. I don't know what a slam is. Yeah. I thought a slam, I thought a slam was the poet's version of a musician's jam. Because it's spoken, yeah, they put an yeah. S in it. It's just, a, it's a, we just like do poetry. I just thought it was that. And people like, no, Toronto, like, it's, but, it's, it's, it's battleground, man. It's different. It's, it's, it's different. And I was like, nah, it's just that place, like, come on, man, it's just poetry. And they're like, all right. But everyone knows I'm hard-headed and I dive in the deep end quick yeah. and I'll just yeah. learn. So I'm like, no, 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 I'm going to go. I went there. Now I have one good poem that I've really committed to memory. Me and my friend, my friend's like, Tyrone, you sure? I'm like, whatever, man, loud. We're here. Mm. Get there and everyone's talking to, every, to each other. And when you walk in a room like that, you go, wait, a lot of you know each other. This is a circuit now. It's a okay. circuit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm hearing different accents. Mm. You go, wait a minute, where are you from? Nottingham. Like two of them are from Nottingham. One guy's mm. from Newcastle, Birmingham, London. Mm. Derby. I said, oh, when you perf- you're performing, you've traveled. Mm. Mm. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's serious. And my friend was like, I told you. I was like, oh. And then it was Burko who was running mm. it. And this is when I met him. He said, oh, there's three rounds. I think there were eight people performing. Three rounds. Uh, first round, everyone performed. Second round, we half it. And then yeah. it's the final, final yeah. two. And I'm like, oh, that means, okay, cool. That means three poems. Three oh, poems, but... yeah. <laughs> and it can prepare for three poems. I'm just going to do it anyway. My friend's like, we should just go home. I'm like, no, I'm going to do it. I get through the first round. Okay, cool. I go outside. I'm like, okay, I need it. I'm asking, can I can I do like the poem? I just no, you can't do that. They can't. <laughs> new new one. <laughs> like, okay, yeah. Cool, cool, yeah. <laughs> I'll do a new poem. All right, yeah. Um, uh, I'm practicing quick. I'm reading. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. I go in. I get through to the final. I'm like, yo, are you serious? I'm like, can I please just do the first one? Because that was my really good one. Like, mm-hmm. oh, new poem. I'll end up winning. Mm. And I was like, wait? Really? This is a room full of poetry people, room full of poets. And I've won. The first thing I ever won. Mm. My first like, individual trophy. Mm. I was like, oh, that's all I needed. Mm. That got rid of Miss Thompson for me. That's yeah. all I needed. And then another moment, uh, I opened for a caller. Oh. 450 people at a music venue in Leicester. Sold out crowd. There to hear rap. Yeah. But but the promoter was like, I'm going to put some poets on. And I got an uncle for poetry. Yeah. I was like, oh, wait a minute. Before a rap show. And that for me, just like, I just felt like I was levitating. One of those, like, there's a, there's a place where you get to when you're performing, where you hit this different wind. Of course. And you, and you feel just invincible. And that, that was the first time I truly, truly felt that. And it's that, it's that you hit that peak. And do you know what it is? There's, there's, there's a, a moment that you crave for more of it. And I, and I always feel like that potentially can be the trap. The open mic is that. The open mic scene is a lot of that. Like you do the hot poem and you will get gassed. People will gas your life. And then you're taking that everywhere. You take the poem everywhere. But the ask is that you continue to write and you continue to search for mm. the that what 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 it is that you're writing towards. Because boy, performing in front of 450 people, a Carla headlining. That's enough to kind of, that's the cosign and a half. Encore, yeah. you can just be like, all right, cool. My job is done. I have arrived. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. Not realizing that you still have 
you still have work to do, right? Mm. And yeah. I guess it gets to a point where you get to a book, you get to a book like Hoods. And, you know, I I heard of you via Burko and I was thankful. And it's like, oh, you should check out this guy, man. He's got his book coming out called Hoods. I said, what about your book coming out called Hoods? What is going on? Because the thing is, I still feel like there is a disparity to a certain degree in relation to the voices, the mm -hmm. poetry voices that are coming out um, in terms of specific experiences. And it, it seems as if, it seems as if there is a call out to hear more voices mm. until those voices are ones that, you know, people, it might make people feel a bit on edge, but it's still their experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? And I think there is room there. And I look forward to what this future holds in, in this genre, because I think more and more voices are, are, are coming to light. And I'm, I was very thankful to, to just witness just the excitement and the buzz around this book of yours. Um, why the title? Mm. Why, why the title? And did you, did, was there a sense of, was there that sense of like, oh, will people get this? Do I care? I'm just going to release this out there anyway. What was going on? What was the process, if you don't mind talking about that? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so the, the title, so the book explores fatherhood, uh, manhood, childhood. Mm. So I thought, okay. The, the, the reoccurring theme there is hoods. Mm. But I thought then that I had that as a working title for a while. I thought, what does it mean? How, how is that perceived coming from a black man? Mm. I like the idea of people thinking it hoodies. Mm. I like the idea of people thinking it um, areas. Mm -hmm. Because that tells me so much mm -hmm. about what you think of me. Mm -hmm. I've had people come up to me and tell me about reading the book and then still telling me about, yeah, because how we... Um, Stereotype black men were in hoodies. Oh my, well, you've read the whole book and that's what you still... That's all you got. You've still got work to do then. Mm -hmm. Or people saying things about area codes and um, postcode wars and this and that. I'm like, okay, so you still got work to do. Mm. Because all I'm saying in the book really is, this is my experience as a child, as a man, and now as a father. These are the hoods of my life. But that is a soft thing. That's not what people, I guess, come to assume or expect from black men in, in society. You'd be very surprised though, even you say soft, it, it, it still requires acknowledging mm -hmm. that experience. Yeah. So even if you're thinking, I'm writing, I'm writing on fatherhood, I'm writing on just my upbringing and all of these different things, you'd be very surprised as to how even that kind of truth can just still be a lot to a certain yeah. degree. Even mm -hmm. though to you, you're just like, <laughs> ambience, I'm I'm touching on this yeah. light. You don't even know if I want to crank this, crank this. Mm -hmm. But for now, this is just an entry point to what's mm -hmm. to come. Do you see what I mean? Yeah, but even yeah, yeah. that could still be a fair bit. Yeah, yeah. sorry, carry on, man. But you had another question as well about how did I feel about like how it would be received and did I care? Mm. I never, writing a book was never an aspiration of mine. Mm. I just felt like I'd be spoken word, perform, live yeah. and die by stage. Um, and then the pandemic came mm. and I had no performances coming up. No performance opportunities. I hate performing online. Mm. Um, but I kept writing. I was like, oh, these, these need to go somewhere though. Yeah. And, I kept, and I was expecting a child at the same time. So lockdown was what? March 24th, 2020 is when mm. it was announced. Mm. 
Mm. March 29th, the Sunday, we found out we're expecting our first child. Mm. So my whole lockdown was about yeah. this child. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing all, and I started therapy three weeks before. Mm. I started therapy, I went to therapy, and I told my therapist, I'm here because before I have a child, I want to unlearn and re- reshape all of yeah. these things within me. Yeah. My, that was therapy, that was one week. The week, two weeks after, we found out we're expecting. Mm. I didn't even know. So my whole world is like spinning on three different axes at the same time. Mm. So being locked down and being in a pandemic wasn't the biggest thing for me. It was this therapy journey and it was this new life coming in. And therapy felt even that much more intentional because it was happening for the reason I wanted it to happen. I didn't know it would would, uh, merge in such a way. And I realized I actually didn't miss performing as much. I realized I, be, I, I felt quite stale and stagnant. And I realized that I kind of fell out of love with performance poetry mm. because I felt it was all done in the same way. Or you, you come with, you know, everyone has like the typical set. Let's say you've got 20 minutes, 15 minutes, and you do, okay, I'm going to do like a short shot poem to start off and get the crowd going. Yeah. I'm going to do another one. Then I'm going to mix in somewhere in the middle, something I might be working on because people are comfortable with me, then I'm going to end on my best or something, you know what I mean? Or the yeah, good crowd yeah. one. But you're, what you're doing in that moment, you're taking people through so many different emotions. So what are you actually leaving them with when mm. they go? You know, there's so many different stories in a set. So I wanted to come back with a whole focus on when I do perform, you're only hearing about this topic for the mm. whole time. I'm going to hold you here. And we're going to explore it together as an audience. Uh, so I'm writing all of these poems about childhood and my experiences as a, as a man and my me foreshadowing fatherhood. I thought these, these need to go somewhere. Yeah. And wind up um, getting published. I'm like, okay, sick. Mm. <laughs> sick, because I just tweeted. I just said, who wants to publish my debut collection? Mm. Couple of tweets and retweets. Someone got back. Verve got back. Yeah, we'd like to read it. Submission windows closed, but we, we can have a look. How, how many have you got? I said, I'm 60% done. I had four poems. I said, I'm 60. <laughs> True. I said, I'm 60% done. He said, Ah, oh, um, all right, let's send us what you've got. I had four. I went and grabbed three of us from somewhere, sent, sent them seven. Said, okay, yeah, we'd like to go forward. You know what? They said, Yeah, send us the rest of what you've got. I ignored the email. That's so funny. Two weeks went by, then they emailed again. Just send, yeah, we're, we're going to go forward with it. And all the while, you're still working on it, like straight. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. I, I had four. I had four poems. And out of the four that I really had for the book, only two, actually, two that the publisher received are actually in the book. Mad. So I just, I just like, blacked my way into it. Then it was like, okay, cool. This gives me a focus now yeah. of something to do. It's working towards. Yeah, so I'm working towards it. And I did feel that it wouldn't be received well. I did feel like people wouldn't care for it. Um, There were times when I'm so secure in my performance, but no one had ever seen my written work. Yeah. And that's a whole different thing. It's a thing. different thing. And the thing is, normally, the, the, the idea is that you ease the process in. So you might get in a magazine, you might get in mm. these journals, you might... You, you, so people start to kind of see you on the page a bit more, what have you. But it's... it's, it's you're like, nah, I'm going straight from this to this. So yeah. it's almost like it's an entry point for the first time for people to actually see you mm-hmm. on the page. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so I did feel like people wouldn't wouldn't like it. Um, mm. They wouldn't get it. Uh, I, and I also thought it wouldn't be the poetry that people like to read. Interesting. Yeah. Um, but it didn't stop me. I didn't, I didn't really... As a person, I was like, I'm not going to care about that. Like, I'm, I'm doing this thing and I'm putting all of... Everything I'm good at, <laughs> I'm putting it into this thing right here. Mm. The result will be the result. 
I, as an artist, I learned over years of doing this, it's, you have to be in love with the process. You know, you have to be in love with, with, with creation as well. Mm. And you also have to be in love, with, in love with the idea that the ceiling may only be the creation mm. of something. Like for artists, like the ceiling or I guess the mountaintop isn't an exhibition or it isn't publishing. And you must be comfortable with that. It's about the process of it. It's yeah. about that feeling of you've completed, you've, you've completed this piece of work and I'm a piece of express, I'm rolling dough and I'm like, yo, there's this bad poem that I've got and I'm just going over it in my head and no one in the world knows. Knows what you do. That is the yeah. sweetest feeling for me. No mm. one knows. That's what and you're I think it's, Yeah. And this feels great in this moment. That, that's the pinnacle of of the process um, that I found for myself and being an artist is that is it. That's what you live for. Mm. Creating something that makes you feel like I've found this diamond and I'm the only person in the world who knows this diamond. And only I truly know how valuable it is. Because then once you give it to people now, it's, it's theirs. And that feeling for me goes, you know? Um, I feel like... I feel like I might know the answer to this already because you spoke on your teacher. We spoke about your, that teacher earlier when you were 15. Um, if there's a piece of advice that you would, you would have liked to have received when you were younger, what would, it, what would it be? That would be, don't quit. Mm. I've only ever wanted to be three things in my whole life. From zero to 11, I wanted to be absolutely nothing. I wasn't like those other kids. And this is probably, this is definitely due to my childhood. I wasn't able to even play or be imaginative. So at school, you'd hear kids in primary school saying they want to be a footballer and they want to be a helicopter pilot and they'd want to run a restaurant in the evening and be a firefighter all in one day. And you go, wow, <laughs> every kid does that. They want to be everything. I never wanted to. There wasn't a single thing in the world that I wanted to do. I just mm. was thinking about being alive <laughs> tomorrow. I'm just thinking about getting through today. Yeah. 11, I went into care and I fell in love with basketball. Mm. And from 11, 11 to 16, I told you I'd dive into things. I went straight head first basketball. I'm going to make it to the NBA. I didn't realize at the time, I was telling myself, I don't want to be a basketballer. I wanted to be an NBA player. And that's mm. two different things, mm. especially when that's your intention. I wanted to be an NBA player because yeah. I thought the NBA is that. And then there's, yeah, there's nothing serious in the world. Yeah. So I got 16 and <laughs> I realized I'm like five, eight at that point. I'm like, yeah, this is, this is it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to grow. I'm studying <laughs> at college and the commitment it's going to take for me to get to that place. I thought I'd get to would mean me sacrificing my education. Yeah. I said, I'm not going to get there. So I quit, like on a dramatic, like Coach Carter vibe, mid, mid practice. I just walked out, like, left mm. them all bouncing, and left. I was like, I can't do it because it's, it's asking too much of me and I can't give my studies anything. And I'm obviously not going to be an NBA player. Um, and then I wanted to be a radio presenter and then for, for like a little bit and then it was poet. Um, but in that, the basketball thing for me really. I think about it often and it lives with me because no one was around at that time to tell me this is 20, 2009, 2010. Mm. No one was around to tell me, Tyrone, the NBA is this, but then you can play in the Euro League. You can play in the British Basketball League. You can go and play in China. You can go and do this and still be a professional basketball, basketball player, yeah. making money doing what you love. Yeah. No one told me that I thought it's NBA or you're That's done. It. Yeah. So it, it taught me a lot in poetry over the years. I've been, I've been doing this for like 10 years. Over the years of, of going, ah, nah, I never received the right opportunities or, oh, I thought it would, I thought this would, would, would be better than it is or I felt like, and you, you have all of these ideas about what success is. Mm. 
And I had to remind myself, like in my mid-20s, about the basketball moment. I go, no. Success is doing what you what love you to, do. to do. Yeah, yeah. And, and being able to afford the time to do it. Mm. Because it's not like, let's say you've got a job and you're working these mad shifts, then you can squeeze it in. That's not, that's not the luxury. Mm. The luxury is if you can have most of your time, if not all of your time, doing what, what it is that you truly love doing, then that you mm. are a success. And I've mm. worked myself to a place where all I do is poetry. And I feel like, I feel yeah. like, what's next? Like, I've reached the place, the success level in my mind where it, it can't get better because I do what I love. Mm. That's beautiful. Um, it's beautiful. I think it's, yeah, so much is working through me. I feel like I, I totally agree with you. And sometimes, do you know what it is? Sometimes if the MBA is the only thing to go for, I'm going to gun for that. Because if I don't want no other side option, mm -hmm. I want to go for what it is. But what I will collect on the way yeah. and what I will meet on the way and what I will, the people I will meet on the way, even if I don't get to that goal, it's going to be incredible. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I hear you on both sides because I think for me, a lot of the times, I'm going for that equivalent of MBA. Mm. And sometimes I actually do get there. And sometimes I don't. Um, but I would have, I would have, I would have got to amazing steps along the way mm. to get there. Yeah. So I definitely hear both sides, man. And, I, and I'm very, very happy that you're at such a place where you're just like, you know what? I'm here because I know where I was in the first instance. Just what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, poem. Do you mind sharing mm. a poem with us, please? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, ah, I don't know which one. Oh, give me a second. You know, there's there's a there's a piece I love performing called um, "Daddy Don't Dance." When I'm, you ever look at your book and go, "Oh, I'm gonna do," and you're actually not really looking. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. I know I'm not really looking. I'm not thinking. Ah, uh, do the do. Yeah. Danny don't dance, he just pulls up his pants and does the rock away. He leans back so far, you'd forget he's there. Anytime he gets musical, he's the first to grab a chair and he stares at all their steps. How are they getting them so correct? Every time they're going right, he's going left. So he's stressed. Instead, it's best he just sits this one out again. Watch from a distance, think what he would do if he were them. Danny wants to dance like the Cubans. All the passion I possess, I want to put it into movement. I want to turn my tense frame into something fluid, to put my emotions into motion, rolling from my shoulders, emboldening my hips to flow with this wine I'm holding. Danny wants to dance like Freddie Mercury performing Don't Stop Me Now. Or James Brown, round with the crowd, is trying to get up off of that thing. He knows dance will make him feel better, but better yet, he's still stuck to the seat. He just nods to the beat, silent taps of the feet. Daddy wants to take your mother out dancing in loose faded clothing. I want to keep going until the music stops and the bar starts closing. Will she ever see me lose all inhibitions, move how I envision? The cruelest disposition is to know you've not been living in this body, you've been living. You're smitten with music. I am sitting as usual, watching you groove to new soundscapes. I wear my proud face as you mount your mum's waist, both swaying, twirling and playing. You send me inviting looks, showing me the way in. Each time I knock down a glance, the more you learn, daddy don't dance. Because at a young age, daddy got dashed off stage for having no rhythm. So of course that caused that ism to make my body feel like prison. Flesh and mind are not in alignment. Daddy don't dance because he's trapped in his own confinement. Mm. That's daddy don't dance. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for that. <laughs> I know what it, do you know what it is as a as a as a parent also as a father also it would be dope to even crack into fatherdom and what that is like. Mm. But that is that is it's another story because I'm I'm very interested in how you connect with fatherhood in relation to hoods. Do you see what mm. I mean? Mm. Like um what are you listening to or reading at the moment? Listening to reading. Listen to pot paper. Oh, listen to man. 
Oof. <laughs> that you know, yeah. you know, I've never actually. Yeah. I've like listened to like, like back in the day, like SBTV sessions. F- yeah, yeah, yeah. Part of paper. Um, listened to a couple of tracks over the years. I never really took to him. And I re- I'll tell you why I never took to him. There was a time I heard a track and he said, they gave my brothers too much years. And it's, it's many, it's too many years. Not mm, too much. Too much. Like I can't. <laughs> and I, something that just jars my mind every single time I hear him. I go, yeah, I was remember that boy. He said, they gave my brothers too much years. So I never really like been into it. And I thought, let me, debut album. Okay, let me check this out. And I'm like, yo, mm. that is a whole different level. Mm. Whole different level. I love that. Um, current reading, I'm one of these people where I buy a bunch of books and I, 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 and I want to read them all at the same time. But currently, it's, um, I'm getting through Lem Sisse's, uh, My Name is Why. Mm. Um, also, getting into uh, Sahema Manzul Khan. You know, everyone knows Sahema Manzul Khan. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. um, I performed with her um, a couple months ago and I knew of her book. But seeing her perform, I was like, yo, yeah. sick. And there is a question that, oh man, uh, we've got a rap, but there is also a question in terms of like, how you're drawn into the artist. Because mm. um, I remember I used to buy albums just based off the back of the CD cover. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, if yeah. that CD cover is hot, chances are this music is going to be fire yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the way I'm seeing you talk about certain artists is like, I heard the poet, I'm involved in the book. Yeah. You see what I mean? So it's almost like what that draw is for you from time to mm-hmm. time as well. Um, before we wrap, are you working on anything at the moment? Um, in uh, the, this this company, Literati Arts, um, we're trying to not trying. We are doing a lot of things in Leicester. Um, I guess I, I created it so we, we we primarily, but not exclusively, work with children in care and people of care experience, but also the Black community of Leicester as well. Um, just coming up with, I guess, unique poetry offerings uh, for, for people to get involved in. And also, I think a lot about the ecology of Leicester's spoken word scene mm. and the lineage, you know, of, let's say we have Burko, and then he opened, he showed me a lot of things. Mm. And I'm so thankful for him for doing that and I think okay so what am I doing how can I do that for someone else mm. and what can we all as a as a city do because we've got so many talented people here so many talented poets um, but I feel like people don't know that and I heard mm. someone say the other day that uh, Leicester's biggest secret is its poetry scene mm. I really feel like that because in, in the city we know these people but the, the no one, no one else knows them outside of Leicester for the most part. Yeah. And even in Leicester, some people don't realize that, you know, this person is from here. <laughs> this yeah, person yeah, yeah, is, yeah. the person you were talking just, about, just, they live over there. The yeah, 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 yeah. So trying to, I guess, give that a jump start and do our bit for making it um, a more fruitful poetry scene. Mm. Um, yeah, so a few projects. Uh, Writing-wise, people keep saying another book, and I'm like, uh, I don't know, I don't know yet. Um, definitely not yet. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really enjoying. I heard that a book is new for two years, and I'm really enjoying. Yeah, enjoy it. All of the little things that happen when I go, oh, really? Like what you know about this book? Recently, what a, a huge moment! I forgot to mention. Recently, I was in Vienna at the University of Vienna in Austria, lecturing about poetry. Yeah. to final year students who have already discussed my work before I got there. Yeah. And the lecturer, the professor said, you know, they've got like real strong opinions about some of your work. So when I meet them, I'm, I said, okay, so I heard there was like a debate. Um, can tell me what's going on. Everyone put their hand up with an opinion about my work. Mm. And I'm blown away. Like, yo, I'm just, 
I'm just me. Like it's well, you, these guys yeah, are yeah. debating my my work in German. But it shows just, the, it shows the power of 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 just the work you're doing and how it continues. Do you see what I mean? So I'll be like, just let it marinate. I'm letting mine marinate. They're going to take good time. No one's trying to get a poetry collection out of me again. I'm going to sit with that. You've got a lot to marinate. <laughs> You've got a lot to marinate. Um, brother, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, just, 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 again, I look forward to the opportunities to share on the stage with you in the future, man. And congrats Definitely. on everything that you're doing. Thank you very, very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, man. You know, I, I met you briefly, real quick, back in 2015 at Boxed In. You know, you had to, at the end of the night, you had to come up and say, can I perform next month? And I could that never get mad. on. Yeah, I met you time ago. And you were like, yeah, try and come back next month. I could just never get on. Um, so was, That is was, mad. I, I'm yeah. thankful now. I, even, I can't even remember. Your Boxed In is chaos. Like you've seen people mm. in and out of this situation from time. So that's a blessing then. I can go back to Burke and be like, actually, yeah, no, he's been aware for me before for a minute. No, yeah, that's yeah. it's a blessing. It's a blessing. Yeah. But I'm glad that we're like connected, connected now. Definitely. That's what I mean. And keep that moving. Wicked. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Thank you for listening to Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shode. And I hope you have enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black British poets and creatives. Thank you to our audio producer, Drew Hawley at The Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to applesandsnakes.org and follow at Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you are hearing, please, Please subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts.